It is 7 p.m. on September 16th, 2020. Welcome to our currently untitled podcast where law students discuss law review articles. I'm Tony Fernando, and I'm joined today by Courtney Beekler, Aranda Stathers, Mohammed Salim, Naila Graves-Mans, and Shenley Kent. Um, we go ahead and have brief in- introductions from everybody. Um, last time we started with Shenley, so we'll start other end of the list, uh, Courtney. Hi, I'm Courtney Beekler. I am a 1L, and I am interested in studying sports law. Uh, Aranda. Hey there, my name is Aranda. I'm also 1L, and I am interested in public interest law. Naila. Hey, everybody. This is Naila. I'm a 1L at Dickinson, and I'm interested in holding people accountable and suing everybody and being the judge. Uh, Hey, I'm Mohammed. I am also a 1L at Dickinson Law, and I am interested in health law and policy. And Shenley. Hey, everybody. I'm Shenley Kent. I am a 1L at Dickinson, and I'm interested in uh, either big law or business law. We'll see what happens. And a reminder uh, that the opinions today are those of our panelists do not represent the view of Penn State Dickinson Law, the panelists present, former or future employers or any other entity. Contents of this recording do not constitute legal advice. And now I'm going to turn the episode over to Courtney who picked the article and will lead the discussion. Hold on guys, before we go, um, Tony, you didn't say what you're interested in. Oh, um, good catch. Um, I'm Tony Fernando 1L at Dickinson Law and I'm interested in lots of things, but especially administrative and regulatory type functions. Okay, so the article we'll be discussing today is by Professor Polly J. Price, as well as JD candidate Patrick D. Diaz. Uh, They are both coming from Emory, and the topic is, or the article is titled Face Covering Requirements and the Constitution. It was published by the American Constitution Society by the law and policy analysis on June 3rd of this year. So I picked this article because of my interest and background in public health as it relates to the law. Um, I just want to point out that while the article does um, does discuss uh, restrictions on gatherings and temporary business closures, uh, the primary focus for today will be the face mask mandates. So I'm hoping that since everybody I can immediately relate to COVID-19. I am really excited to see where this conversation goes today. So to start us off, um, has anybody at this point had any personal experience with a lawsuit that challenges the public health ordinances that are uh, mandating face coverings? I I don't know anyone who's personally had any type of lawsuits or anything like that. Um, But there was a, a big decision that came out recently this week um, against the governor of Pennsylvania. And um, basically, um, I believe it was a federal circuit judge um, was saying that the, um, it was, and again, it didn't have anything to do with uh, face masks, but that the uh, closure of restaurants and bars and businesses was unconstitutional. So I thought that was interesting, especially considering that um, now most businesses are open. Uh, I think this complaint was filed back in April or May and um, the decision is just now coming out. So uh, what I was saying is that uh, it wasn't really related to face masks, but still um, 
involved COVID concerning the restrictions that nursing homes were taking the liberty to impose on their residents that went against the, le the legal regulations that the, um, the health department. So the health department says that nursing homes are not allowed to have visitors, but they do not specify that nursing home residents, whether they be an assisted part of um, nursing home or they be in the memory care um, section, that they cannot leave the facility. However, my father's nursing homes was restricting him from leaving the facility along with having visitors. And that went on for about four months. Um, so up until yesterday when I got news that he can now leave, I was about to pursue legal avenues concerning the restrictions with COVID. So it sort of went out of the scope of the mask, but it still was COVID related and how it's obstructing our everyday life and how people are taking liberties that are going beyond the scope of the law, which I think a part of the article was talking about, like how people could be abusing this. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you for sharing that, Naila. I think that that's exactly what the base of this you know, discussion is about. Um, so the next question that I had was pertaining to the article itself, which discusses a 1905 U.S. Supreme Court case, which was Jacobson v. Massachusetts. And it still stands as the seminal decision in allowing the judgment of health experts while balancing the abuses of those public health powers. So the rule offers that so long as such measures are neutral, generally applicable, and have a medical necessity. Uh, do you guys think that that language is too ambiguous or does it provide the courts the latitude necessary for local populations? I, I think that in this line of cases, and we've quarantined people for smallpox and tuberculosis and other diseases as well, um, the latitude's important uh, because the you know, the different diseases need different responses. But what scares me now is that I think you could find an expert, uh, somebody who could certify as an expert witness, to say anything was a medical necessity. It's a medical necessity that I don't need a mask. It's a medical necessity that I do need a mask. It's a medical necessity that the mask be pink. Um, and um, th that's kind of where relying on this old law when everybody seems a little reasonable uh, gets a little scary for me well and you know it's interesting for the smallpox it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things that this had outlined was the necessity for vaccines based on self-defense or paramount necessity um as we are getting closer and closer every day to the release of the COVID-19 vaccines is that something that you guys have thought through yet outside of uh, mask wearing how about the government mandating, which they did mandate 1905 smallpox vaccine? You know what I thought was so interesting about this article and their reference to the influenza um, or the Spanish flu was that they issued fines if you contested wearing a mask. But they're saying few, few reported court decisions. So a lot of people didn't, didn't fight for not wearing a mask. Or they might not, during 1905, have the means to have an attorney. It could go you know, either way. So I don't know if we really can tell if they were fighting against it to the same magnitude some of the people now are fighting against it. But if we're just going to look at 
how many court cases were filed and not take the extenuating circumstances into account, then we could possibly assume that this was an agreeable, well, the community agreed to it because of fear or because of, you know, fear of the disease or fear of violating the law or not having the money to pay the fine. Is I just think the climate is totally different now in 2020 than it was in 1905 or 19 was 1905 or what 1918 20 100 years ago 1918. Yeah, yeah I think, I think that's a good point um, between the difference of we're talking about a 1905 court case is the seminal decision and we have nothing in between so just because that's where things stand, does that mean that in today's climate that that's still the right choice? Um, Shenley, I'm sorry to have cut you off. Go ahead. Um, I was saying that I thought it was interesting that they had those uh, flu courts or whatever they call it in an article um, and just how <laughs> right now those those type of courts would be inundated, you know, with kind of like um, cases brought against it. Um, and also like, you know, um, with respect to what's happening now, like, I think that people have so much access to information, you know, whether it be credible or not credible, more so than they did at that point where you pretty much had to follow the directive of the government um, and you pretty much had to fall in line just because you didn't have access to information to kind of do your own research. Whereas now, you know, people have different levels of what they consider research. You could watch a YouTube video and consider that research or, you know, and just kind of take things that way. So I'm not necessarily sure that, um, people would, I, I actually don't think people would, um, if, if, if the government mandated that the people had to take the vaccine, that they would willingly do it. Um, it would just kind of be a, a lot of uh, people talking about a violation of their civil, civil liberties, uh, which in fact just happened to me earlier today. I went to the post office and um, a gentleman didn't have on a mask and the clerks told him that they would not serve him, service him until he put on a mask on. And he caused a real scene. You know, he was stomping his feet and crying out about how they were violating his civil liberties. And I was just like, man, just put a mask on. Like, <laughs> just if you, you want to send your postage, just put your mask on and go on about your business. Like, uh, if you have a problem, take it up with the executives at the post office who make the decisions. These people are, you know, like they're making what, I don't know, probably minimum wage and they're being put on the line to enforce these rules. And then they have to deal with people pushing back, talking about, you know, you're violating my civil liberties. And I also don't think it's fair to those people to have to do that type of enforcement. Yeah, I think there's a question um, that was posed in the courts, um, you know, back over a hundred years ago about, um, are we, what the constitutional safety and health of the people, is that what we're taking into account or, so are we willing to risk everybody for your own individual rights? And are we protecting, and when we say we're protecting the liberties, the health of people, are we protecting the, the health of one person or are we protecting the health of all of it? The person that's infected, the person that's not infected. Yeah, that's a good point because I wonder, you know, um, I was thinking when this gentleman was causing a scene about it, I was just like, um, you know, if this man doesn't want to wear a mask, you know, that's perfectly that, that that's his choice. Fine. But I also think about, um, you know, like frontline workers who have to go to work every day. And, you know, what if these people get sick and they get compromised? Like, you know, who, whose health and safety takes more precedence? Is it the shopper or is it, you know, the workers? I am. Um... 
I am really interested too in terms of the the discussion as far as this paramount necessity, right? So if the conversation is we're looking at this from um, the public's health, uh, then that would lend itself to say, okay, we need to mandate that everybody gets the vaccine. Uh, but where do we draw that line with this concept of constitutional rights or civil liberties? Um, Aranda, do you have anything on this for an opinion? Sure. I just kind of go back to, like, as we were establishing, like, our societies, um, both in the U.S. and globally, like, when you are born, you essentially sign a social contract, which is what requires, what, what is what and it's what is required of you when you enter a society. And so you give up certain rights, whether it's the right to murder someone, the right to commit certain offenses that are now illegal. And all of that is done for the betterment of that society that you're in. And those rights are different depending on what society you live in. And so, I mean, to me, it makes sense that a vaccine would be mandated. And then I actually like for once, like I'm starting to like kind of not understand, but like kind of kind of understand like what anti-vaxxers feel because especially now when we're talking about Russia's got a vaccine that's coming out that hasn't been tested, that we don't even know what's going on with it. And we're pushing vaccines really fast now. And you are left to sometimes wonder as the person who would be taking it, well, is the same is, is proper due care like being being made when they're pushing these vaccines out because you're balancing the progress of science and the fact that this virus we learn something about it new new something new about it every single day and how it's contracted and and how how what how antibodies work and all, and all of that and then on the flip side you're also being pushed like by society being like, I want to leave my house. I don't like to wear a mask or, or whatever. And so there is a hindrance to a lot of people as to the motives of pushing out a vaccine so, so quickly, which I mean, doesn't feel quickly because we've been in quarantine for like what feels like forever. But so, and, and then you have like anti-vaxxers who won't vaccinate their children. And I was just like, is this going to just add to the anti-vaxxers movement that it's just going to be like another vaccine that kind of goes into that category. But I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I have just have a lot of swarming thoughts about it. It's very conflicting. I think that that explanation actually is a really great representation of where we all kind of sit with this uncertainty, right? I think that that does a phenomenal job of outlining just how little we know and yet how much we have experienced. Um, so the next question, because I feel like that was uh, really well stated, Aranda, thank you, um, for the KOA, the Hogan that was mentioned in the article, um, it said that they aimed to require the allowances of face mask coverings to have exceptions for medical needs. Has anybody across any state, um, I know I just came from Texas and I did not see any state ordinances that specifically made exceptions. Has anyone seen any exceptions to face mask coverings 
or um, has anyone had any like personal experience with requesting that? So I've lived in three states during quarantine, um, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. And fun fact, if you ever want to know what your state like mandated order is, AARP has a list of all of them. So you can just kind of go read them. And so this question prompted me to go look at mine. And so Pennsylvania and Virginia both have exceptions. Um, they range from medical reasons to re participating in religious ceremonies and things, um, as well as like children and stuff. And Illinois does not have any exceptions, which I found quite interesting, but also not surprising because they're very strict. You know, what's interesting to me is that um, like you around it, like I've gone through like multiple states over, like I was, I was in Florida before Florida started getting all the cases. And I went to Naples and Naples was mask free while Fort Lauderdale and Miami and most of the state, they were required to wear a mask because it was, it was left up to the local um, legislative government. And Naples was wide open. And everyone knows Naples. Naples is full of elderly people. There was not a care in the world. That's just how um, I imagine Florida as a whole. Just old a, But Miami and Fort Lauderdale, there was definitely um, a concern. So I went there at the end of May. And then I went back there um, in July. It was Mass Central. If you walked into a store without a mask, you were told to put a mask on. The level of concern rose so high within within like a month and a half because their cases started rising and they started seeing death. They had to see it at their front door for them to start obliging to what the rest of the country, or not even the rest of the country, few of the, like New York, the hotspots were requesting people to wear a mask. So sometimes people have to see the death and feel the death or see the illnesses for them to understand how serious it was. It was night and day between the end of May to the end of July. And they were very offended if you walked in the place, if you didn't even have your mask covering your nose, the people that a few months ago, they didn't care. They would say within a nasty tone, put your mask up. You can't be in here without putting your mask up. And it was just interesting to see the, the, um, the change of attitude. But what I have noticed is that in certain places, they won't ask you to put a mask on. I, I've flown and there was a couple of airlines that did not take it upon themselves to be the mask police. Most people took it upon themselves to put a mask on, but if somebody was sitting there without a mask, it was the assumption that they had an ailment and they weren't being confronted. And I enjoyed seeing that. I didn't feel like people were being embarrassed or put on the spot. I automatically think that if someone does not have a mask on and a place of you know multiple people, 30 people, that they probably at this point are sick. It's the ones that we see on television and we see on um, on Instagram, but the um, the viral feeds that are posting themselves making um, making a scene about the mask when they're told to put a mask on. But in everyday life, I don't really see that. What do you guys think? Or what have you I, observed? I, yeah, I actually think that the whole 
social etiquette has become very interesting across the last few months. Um, I was standing in line at a store and I happened to be behind the ex and the person standing behind me happened to be standing right in front of their ex. And we both kind of looked down and realized at the same moment that we were closer together <laughs> where we were standing. So I promptly moved on to my ex. He promptly moved on to him. And I realized he thought that I was staring at him, not on his ex, judging him for being too close to me. And meanwhile, that's exactly what I, I thought. He was upset <laughs> I was too close to him. And so we had this conversation of, you know, I didn't mind where you were standing. I just wanted to make sure you were comfortable and vice versa. Um, whereas, you know, a few months ago or even a year ago, if I was standing in line, somebody was breathing on my neck um if i were to have asked them to take a step away it would have been very socially awkward so i'm i'm really interested in how this social etiquette has changed especially as aronda had mentioned earlier so much of the contracts that we have signed or you know adhere to are socially based um i don't know where that puts us a year from now and another point, it, it, it's very interesting to me um, how these masks and the possible vaccines can be um, turned to a, like a, a black male. Like you're not allowed to go to school if you don't have a certain vaccine unless you have a note or you have a religious, um, I guess we're going to say um, a religious reason. So you have a medical, you have a religious reason in order to go to school. Um, is that going to happen with the COVID vaccine? we don't know and that becomes very frightening as a parent to a child we don't know anything about this like he wants to go to school well and i'm not i mean i've homeschooled before and i'll homeschool again because i won't let him get or won't force him to take a vaccine or won't require him to take a vaccine as if it's mandated for him to have that in order to go to school we will just sit it out because we don't know what's going on with this vaccine right now it's not five years in it's not 15 years in <laughs> well, I think that the last question that I had for this group, and um, if if it's okay, I would I would ask that everybody um, at least weighs in with with one comment, um, because the overall conversation is: Does mandating wearing a mask or wearing face coverings limit our constitutional rights, or are these mandates constitutionally sound? I think that there's also sometimes like kind of the illusion that like we're able to have our constitutional rights all the time and that they like that the government doesn't have constitutional power to take those rights away. Um, it's in the 10th Amendment of uh, police powers. And so if it's in the if it's for the because the government is the entity that makes laws for everyone. So it's going to make laws that will benefit hopefully, <laughs> benefit society like, as a whole. And so it, is it, is it, do I think that it's a constitutional violation? No, but that's just simply because through our constitution, we are not guaranteed these rights all the time. Um, and that's just, that's how, that's how our forefathers made it. I don't necessarily know about it infringing on constitutional rights or liberty or anything like that. Um, I just feel like um, as the social contract, it's it's the right thing to do in the name of public health and safety. 
um, I was thinking, uh, the one thing I kept thinking about when I was reading this article is when I was a waitress and um, we were just going through that whole um, process of banning cigarettes. And I remember this one waitress who worked there kept telling people, you know, um, your, your right to smoke ends where my health begins. And I think that is necessarily uh, incumbent upon all of us to look out for each other and to keep each other safe. And for those who don't want to wear a mask, who don't want to adhere to these social contracts, I think that there are proper accommodations in place for them to, um, you know, still be able to go to the store and get whatever they need, but not necessarily put everybody else in danger. Um, So whether or not it's a, a thing of, I don't necessarily think, again, it's a matter of personal liberty because um, to my knowledge, at least in Pennsylvania, there's no statute mandating uh, mask, but I think that in the name of public health and to get over this hump that we're all dealing with, I feel like everyone has to buckle down. Like when you look at Europe and you look at other countries who dig on down uh, on a severe lockdown, you know, they're pretty much at life as usual, whereas we're not. And who knows when we will be. So I don't know. I think um, if we consider the narrow question of face coverings, the act of wearing personal protective equipment, PPE, um, including face masks, is neutral in and of itself. Where you could get away from that would be if the statute mandates that you wear a, a MAGA face mask or a Penn State uh, face mask or something that was conveying a specific message. And then you are getting into questions of expression um, and whether or not um, an entity like a public university could impose something like that as a uniform um, gets into a whole different set of questions. I also um, think that the Constitution, it may not be a suicide pact, but we do need to take those liberties very seriously and not um, give them up without cause um, and without serious deliberation, which I think is happening. I mean, I do think that the courts are taking this seriously. People are taking this seriously. And I don't think that anybody has enacted a um, a, a face mask ordinance or other COVID-related ordinance without serious consideration. Um, at least if we're talking about government, less so if we're talking about, say, the university. Um, but there's going to be some differences in, in the way that those entities approach things, too. Um, I agree with Anthony on that, that uh, wearing a face mask in and of itself might not be unconstitutional, but having, um, you know, um, MAGA symbols or Penn State symbols or you name it, whatever symbol on it is unconstitutional. But I think the main reason it started becoming an issue of is it a constitutional violation is because of the misinformation of science. You know, I've seen some people claim that their oxygen saturation dropped down to 30% when they're wearing a mask. And well, at 30%, you're dead. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to tell people that that's your, that's your oxygen saturation. And uh, a lot of the issue also came from politicizing it, which is, you know, if you wear a mask, you're in this political party. And I think that's where it became an issue because now it has become an icon, almost like wearing a mask that says MAGA on it. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, that's a huge point of it. If it's if it's the secondary or tertiary effects that create a um, constitutional problem, 
then that gets away from, you know, the underlying issue of, you know, should we be forced to wear masks? Um, well, I just want to, I'm so sorry, was there someone else? No, I was only going to like piggyback on Mohammed's statement about like, I don't think we would even be in a situation um, talking about masks if the politics weren't the way that they are now. I absolutely agree with that. It all comes down to how politics are and the division between the people. It's a shame that this became like the, a public health issue became so politicized because we really could be on the other side of this thing um, if it wasn't as toxic as it has become. Let's try not to make public health or the environment bipartisan issues, please. <laughs> well, all really good points. You guys, thank you so much for um, talking through this. Thank you, Tony, for letting me pick this article. Uh, this is something that like I said in the beginning of, of this broadcast, is really um, an interesting topic to me. So I appreciate everybody's comments. And um, yeah, thank you, Tony, for the opportunity. And thank you, Courtney, for hosting the discussion. And with that, we will close. Thanks again to our panelists. Audio post-processing uh, was by Mohammed Salim. See you next time.